Welcome to the Flight Deck Podcast. I'm your host, TK, and as always, I thank you for tuning in. Now, there isn't much I can start off saying other than injuries and mistakes will kill a team. Injuries and mistakes. And right now, this team has been decimated by injuries and mistakes. Now, we went up against what I believe to be the best tandem in football right now with uh, Kirk Cousins and Adam Thielen. Not to mention, he also has uh, two more dynamic weapons at his disposal in Stephon Diggs and Zach Ertz. And we went up against these four people down our two best cornerbacks available. True Johnson was out. Buster Screen is out. And in the second half, it really showed. Hell, it, it actually showed in the beginning when they had that quick strike, that easy TD to start off the game. But the defense made some adjustments in the first half. And I got to give Dale Roberts credit for his ability to uh, pretty much, in essence, shut down Stephon Diggs. I honestly thought Diggs would be the biggest problem because they would be concentrating so much on Adam Thielen that Diggs would get one-on-one matchups and he would win most of all of them. But he was held to eight receptions and 33 yards. So kudos to uh, Dale Roberts on, on that. Who and he also had a he was busy. He had eleven tackles that game. He he was getting a lot of work. But man, it is it is really hard to combat injuries, especially when you are a team that isn't considered to have a lot of high quality depth. And it really showed, especially, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Now, we were without Quincy Anunwa. We were without Terrell Pryor. So the only receivers we had worth, and I wouldn't say worth mentioning, more so um, with game experience and and signs of of good production, was uh, Robbie Anderson and Jermaine Curse. And... The other guys that were behind them really did not step up in the least bit. The offense was played by plagued by drops, plagued by terrible route running. It, uh, the, the second half really and truly was just a complete and utter mess. And and I mean, there's it, no way around saying that. Not to mention. We lost Bilal Powell due to a uh, a neck injury. That really hurt us as well. And and on a, on a side note, I really and truly feel bad for Bilal Powell. And the reason why I say this is because this guy has been a a stand up guy, a team player, a blue collar hard working guy since day one he never griped never complained about his role publicly now I don't know what goes on behind closed doors in the locker room but he didn't develop that diva attitude he 
you know, he came to work every day and he was underused, overlooked. And he finally gets a chance to be more of the focal point of the offense, more of the guy, and he gets hurt. Not only is he hurt, he's hurt right before free agency comes up. And I honestly don't 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 believe the team will re-sign him. He's 30 years old. He's on IR. The team is, is trying to get younger and stay young. So I, I honestly think that we have seen the last of Bilal in a Jets uniform. And if that is the case, I just want to be one of the first to say I appreciate everything that you have done for this organization. I appreciate the the effort, the blood, sweat, and tears that you put forth for this team. And I wish you nothing but the best in the future. And I hope to see you on the field again real soon. So let me just talk about, you know, the, the game itself a little bit. Um, First of all, the line play, man, bench alone. And and I, I was one of the ones who felt pretty pretty good about him signing in the offseason because when I when I saw him play, my biggest thing was injury. Injuries is what was holding him back. I in a thousand years would not have imagined him being this inept at playing the center position. I, I was one of the ones who said, hey, this guy is better than Wesley Johnson. Um this guy was better than than Jarvis Harrison. I didn't expect him to come in and be Nick Mangold, Kevin Maguire, any anything close to that. But I did expect for this guy to be at least above average. Maybe not even above average. You know, good I would take good at this point. Hell, I would take decent at this point. But we're not getting that. And the way he's playing right now, it, I don't see him being a Jet after this season either because um, <laughs> these high snaps, these low snaps, he he is totally disrupting the pass and the run game, and we are getting killed up the middle. And a lot of that falls on him, the calls that he's making, his inability to get the ball to Sam, his inability to hold his ground, on a pass rush and getting backed into the quarterback. I mean, we, we, we're we seeing this same thing week in and week out. It's like somebody has a, a nickel on a needle of this record that keeps playing over and over and over. And it's, oh, it's very disheartening. And, you know, this, this, this blocking scheme that we got, some weeks it, it looks to be what we need other weeks it looks to be an abomination and this week was it was very subpar very substandard I mean we only rushed for 71 yards um Crowell 2.6 yards per carry I mean they were getting getting handled up front and it wasn't even close. And then you look at the fact that Sam was sacked three times. He was he was hit numerous other times. There was numerous hurries. I mean, it was it was it was bad. 
and, and it was really bad the second half. I mean, I, I was, I, I was pretty satisfied with the the play of the first half. I mean, to go into the second half down only ten to seven, you know, was, was big. I, I was hoping that they could, you know, pick up some steam and 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 and, and maybe pull it out or or at the at the very least make it a close and entertaining game to where we as fans would see, oh, okay, they're improving. They're showing that they have, you know, the will and, and fight within them to hang with the the upper echelon teams. <laughs> I swear that second half showed none of that. And um, you know, it was it was a lot to stomach. I I, I felt I felt that the effort, you know, wasn't there. I felt that the the coaching wasn't there. At times, you know, guys look very lost, both offense and defense. It was like the it it, it looked as if the backups weren't ready to play, even though they knew they were going to be backups, you know, playing this game and should have been prepared better. So I don't know if, if that's on the coach or on the players, but either way, it just the optics of it were not good. We looked terrible that second half. And uh, you know, I, I'm I'm really, really struggling hard to 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 find, you know, the the silver lining in this, but right now there there isn't a lot. Um I will say you know, I'll talk about it a little later in the the good, the bad, and the WTF moment of the week. We did have um, you know two or three good spots, but you know it just wasn't enough to uh, convince the masses that this team is is ready to take the next step. And again, I don't know if it's squarely on the coaches or on the players being just that bad and unable to to take direction I don't know but what I do know is they have to improve we have to be consistent and take strides in the right direction because uh, if not this rebuild that they've been doing will be all for naught so speaking of rebuilding that will start off the topics on one of my favorite segments of the podcast, which is the good, the bad, and the man, what the fuck? The good. Now, this game, we showed that we are actually moving in the right direction, especially with the pieces that we drafted this last season. And I'm talking about the rookie revival that we have with Sam Darnold, Chris Herndon and Trent Cannon. Now, I really must say that I was impressed by Cannon's ability to make big plays. He, I mean, you know, he only ran the ball twice and only got four yards. But I think with this scheme and his speed, he will be um, pretty, pretty good running the ball outside. Also, he proved to me that he can catch the ball. This kid had four receptions for 69 yards. He had that big 35-yard reception to set up the score for 
the next guy I want to talk about, Chris Herndon. Now, like I said uh, before, this kid has scored twice, two touchdowns the last two games, and he looks to be the part of a uh, big-time tight end in the future. Now, if he stays healthy and continues to learn and grow at the pace that he's going, we will have us something with him and Sam Darnold. Who knows? They could be the, the next great tandem that we see in the NFL. But right now, the good that I saw were those rookies stepping up and making plays. That's all we can ask for at this point. The bad. Penalties and turnovers. Penalties and turnovers. Now, I talked about last week that we needed to improve on the penalties that we're committing, and they didn't. This week, we had eight penalties for 71 yards. Now, one of the penalties was the 15-yard against Robbie Anderson. In a moment of frustration, he threw the ball towards the direction of the referee. Now, while I don't condone that type of demonstrative action, I really understood where he was coming from. We had a, a bunch of shit calls from the referees this game. Just terrible. Miss uh, P.I.s left and right. Just terrible. So I understand the kid's been frustrated, but he has to contain himself, control himself better than that. Now, turnovers, <sighs> four turnovers, three interceptions by Sam. We also had a fumble. Um, one of the, the interceptions were definitely on you, Sharon Peak. You have to catch the ball when it's thrown to you, especially when it hits you dead in the hands in stride. You got to do better. But in order for us to move forward and to, to win games, we have to cut down on the penalties and the turnovers. Now, I was taught as a kid to be thankful for everything that you have in the situations that you're in because they can always get worse. And this past Sunday, things for the Jets got worse. Now, the team that's already being decimated by injuries, secondary injuries, with True Johnson out, Screen out, Marcus May out, we lose the guy who was in line to replace May in the secondary, Doug Middleton. He's on injury reserve now. Now you add to that our offensive woes with Pryor getting cut because of injury, with Anuma being out because of injury, and for a team that's already lacking in big offensive weapons, to lose another weapon is even more disheartening. Now we have lost our starting running back, Bilal Powell. So, oh, it is, it's bad. Injuries and attrition is taking its toll on us. And when I saw him go down and leave the game and then got the, uh, the news that he won't be returning basically for the rest of the year, all I could say was, Man, what the f***? I've got the uh, week seven recap out of the way and the, the good, the bad, and the WTF moment of the week. Let me just go ahead and finish off week seven by giving you guys my five takeaways for the week. Five, four, three, two, one. Five. This game was a good barometer for where we are as a team. And right now, we are not ready for prime time. We are not consistent enough to be considered a very good team at all. But I will say we are not the same old Jets. They are making strides. 
the right strides in the right direction to get us to be a viable football team in this league for years to come. But right now, we are struggling on too many of the simple, most mundane things to be considered a good team. And I don't know if it's coaching. Well, I believe a lot of the problem is coaching, but injuries and attrition is really taking its toll right now. But the players that we do have need to get better, period. I think our tight end problem is solved. Chris Herndon looks to be as advertised at the tight end position. Now, granted, this is only his first year, but he has showed me enough to believe that this kid will be a good tight end for years to come with the right development. Now, he and Sam seem to have picked up some type of chemistry between one another and are really working in between the hash marks, and he's killing the scene right now. And this kid can run and catch. I'm very excited about this combination. And hopefully, Leggett will join the fray too. And we can run a very good two tight end set like the people over in Boston. But right now, this kid is playing well. He scored twice in the last two games. And I hope to see him keep going. As a matter of fact, I picked him up on the waiver wire for my fantasy football teams. So, Chris Herndon is our new tight end now and moving forward. Spencer Long is killing us. I mean, just killing us. Uh, he, he, like I said earlier, he's disrupting the run game. He's disrupting the pass game. I don't know what the problem is. I don't know if he needs to stay after practice or whatever and, and work on his delivery, but something has to change and has to change now. We cannot afford to keep having these dropped these drop handoffs. We can't afford to have these high snaps that's disrupting every single time in play. I mean, it's hard for them to run time in plays because you don't know if the quarterback's going to get the ball. And, and you should not be worrying about that as a quarterback, as a wide receiver, as an offensive coordinator, period. You should be able to have faith that your center can deliver the ball. That's it. That's his job. Deliver the ball. Come on, Spencer Long. Either get right or they should sit him down because this is just plain ridiculous. Two, two. Our defense really isn't that bad. I mean, seriously. Now, we did give up 37 points. A lot of it came in the fourth quarter where it was out of hand and Sam was trying some things and we were affected by drops and wide receivers and, and turnovers. But the defense held their own, in my opinion. Now, we held that offense to 10 points in the first half, which is huge to me. And also, Kurt Cousins didn't just really light us up. I mean, he had, what, 240 yards or whatever, but the defense had key stops when it counted. They they were, what, 0 for 7 on third downs early in the first half against us. So the defense is doing its part. You add one or two more pieces, and this defense can really be dominant. Oh, and keep Casey Rogers away from making the calls. One, one. And, and finally, turnovers and penalties. Turnovers and penalties, once again, have killed this team. Now, Sam threw three picks. I'm only charging for two of them because Sharon Peak, you got to catch the ball. It hit you in your hands, in stride. I mean, seriously, you have to catch that. I don't put that on Sam at all. Now, he made a couple bad throws trying to force some things. He threw the ball an awful lot, 42 times this game, which is more than what he's normally done. So mistakes are bound to happen. I, I completely understand that with him being a rookie quarterback, but we got to fix that. Also, we got to stop having these meaningless and stupid, stupid penalties at crucial times. Discipline is a must, and we got to do better. I mean, come on, guys. You're paid professionals. 
Act like it. Play like it. Five, four, three, two, one. So after two pretty good wins that we had against the Colts and the uh, the Broncos and coming off this blowout that we had against the Vikings, the Jets now find themselves in week eight against another tough NFC North opponent in the Chicago Bears. And these guys presents problems for the Jets on both sides of the ball. A lot of problems. Um, on offense, they have, first of all, they have a, a an offensive coaching mindset that comes from the, the Andy Reid tree with uh, Coach Nagy. And he has a bunch of pieces that he can use at his disposal to uh, to help their quarterback, Mitch Trubisky, who, by the way, has been playing quite well, especially of late these last two to three games. But uh, the Jets will have their hands full on the defensive side of the ball. First of all, they're, they're injured in all the wrong places. And um, like I said earlier, they are going against an offensive mind in the, uh, the coach that they're facing against Chicago. Now Trubisky, he has he has thrown the ball well. He's at about sixty six percent clip on his passes. Um, last three games, I believe he's he's put up about twelve hundred offensive yards. So far this year, he has thirteen TDs to only six interceptions, and you know he's running the ball quite well on the ground. I know he has a a couple of. 80-yard games last week against the uh, the Pats. He rushed for 81 yards. So the kid is throwing for first downs. He's running for first downs. He's uh, He has some, some talent on the outside with Allen Robinson. He can, he, he can hit you underneath with Robinson. He can kill you over the top with Taylor Gabriel. He can kill you with the swings and slants with uh, Cohen coming from the backfield. And and they do have a bruiser um, in Jordan Howard who can get the tough yardage if given a shot. And it doesn't bode well for a Jets defense that, that's given up 100-yard games uh, three out of the seven so far and having given up less than, than 88 yards, I believe, this year. So they, they will have their hands full with that offense um, and as far as the defensive side of the ball two words Khalil Mack but it's not just Mack now Mack makes him exponentially better don't get me wrong but his mere presence opens up that defense with Floyd on one side uh, Akeem Hicks in the middle Danny Trevathan at linebacker. I mean, they they have some players on that defense. And what people didn't realize was last year, that defense was top five, I believe. So you take a top five defense as is, and you add arguably the best defensive player in football to that team, and 
you have a problem on your hands. Now, these last couple games, that defense has got dinged up um, and, and played subpar. I don't know what happened against Tennessee. That blew my mind. But um, against the Patriots, and, and, and I mean, it is the Patriots, so that's understandable. But outside of two bad special team plays, they kind of held that offense in, in check. I mean, they gave up 14 points on a, a blocked punt and also a 95-yard um, kickoff return by Cordero Patterson. So they they held that offense, that high-powered offense behind Tom Brady, relatively in check while the offense put up 31 points themselves. So the Jets will have their hands full this upcoming Week 8 tilt against the Chicago Bears. But, you know, um, there's always a possibility. And uh, they would have to play another perfect game, a flawless game, a game not marred by turnovers and penalties in order to beat the Chicago Bears. Now, with that being said, um, I will give you my take on what the Jets have to do in order to win this game. I present to you my four, 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 four keys to victory. One. The offensive line, as always. Now, they are facing yet another devastating pass rusher with Khalil Mack and this Bears uh, defense. They've had Ziggy Ansa, Cameron Wade, Calais Campbell, Yannick Ngakwe, Von Miller, Daniel Hunter. So they have had a murderous row of defensemen that they had to deal with. And this week is no different. The offensive line has to step up. They have to protect Sam. They have to snap the ball correctly. And also they're facing injuries with Spencer Long, who's battling a leg and hand injury as well. So it might be Travis Swanson taking up the mound at center this week, but either way, the offensive line has to play better. Two. Jeremy Bates has to call a very, very clean and very good game. Now, this Bears defense is a top five defense overall in yards given up. They're top 10 in passing yards given up, and they are number three in rushing yards per game given up at 87 and a half per game, and top five overall in rushing yards given up. So he has to put Sam and those who are playing in the right positions to make plays. And that involves more than just being a run-run, screen-pass type of team. He has to be innovative. He has to move Herndon around. He has to move Robbie around, Curse, and whomever else they have at wide receiver. Um, so we need for the offense to play up, not play as usual par for the course that's what has to happen this week now we added Rashard Matthews we added um the kid uh Deontay from uh USC Sam's favorite target in college so that may help but whatever the case may be he has to call a better game three once again penalties and turnovers are key to uh winning this game we cannot give up the ball four times again this game now like I said before this defense isn't very opportunistic they don't have a lot of interceptions they don't have a lot of forced fumbles they don't have as many sacks as one would think they should have but they do get stops so with that being said we can't allow them to get stops and give them the ball so we have to protect the ball Sam has to get take whatever they give him and not force any things 
and wide receivers and running backs cannot put the ball on the ground once again. So in order for us to win, we have to protect the ball. We have to do better than eight penalties. We can't allow that again. We, we, we can't give them opportunity after opportunity because of boneheaded mistakes and lack of discipline. So protect the ball and no penalties. Four. And finally, next man up has to play up and above and beyond what they normally do. This team has been decimated by a rash of injuries both in the secondary and on the offensive. Wide receiver position, running back position now on Bilal Powell on IR, and with Spencer Long being hobbled by ankle and hand injuries, even though he wasn't doing his job as well as he could anyways. But the next man up has to play up, has to play above and beyond. We need Perry Nickerson to look like the kid from Tulane who um, led his conference in pass defense career-wise, as well as being the top 20 in the NCAA football period in passes defense. We need Claiborne to, to stick with the number one wide receiver and handle that uh, in a dominant fashion. Same with Roberts. We need the linebackers to step up. We also need the interior line to play hard up front. Like I said, they can run the ball with, with Howard up the middle. They can get outside with Cohen. So we need Lennon Williams and company to step up and handle that offensive line and stop them from running the ball at will. Also, we need to watch out for Trubisky. He runs the ball as well. So if we do all these things, we will have a shot at winning this game. Four. 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 Four, Four keys to victory. Well, we have week seven in the books and, you know, it was a bad loss for us. It gave us a real look at who we are and what we can become if we don't step it up and, uh, you know, play better. You know, it was it was it was a bad loss. What was even worse was, you know, what was going on in the stands as well. Um, we've had a, a, another bunch of rumblings about the the sea of purple that was in the stands just like against the Broncos um and you know that that is disheartening as well as the loss i mean i i've talked about this before about selling tickets to the opposing team and giving them a louder voice in our home stadium than what we have and you know it's it's real really disappointing to to see that to to hear those things and to watch it on television down here in Texas where I am and and see you know what's what's going on in the stands but they say winning cures all so if we can put together a a a better product on the field that galvanizes and engages the fans then I don't think we would have these problems but that still is no excuse we are fans of the New York Jets we should support them win lose or draw in every capacity that we can so I implore you guys once again, please, please, please do not sell your tickets to the opposing team's fans and give them a louder voice to cheer their team on in the home stadium. The optics, was, uh, the optics of it all is just terrible. So, again, week seven's in the books. You know, they took early this week to lick their wounds, put it in the back of their minds and move on to the Chicago Bears week eight. I gave you the recap of week seven, what I thought. I gave you the takeaways from week seven. I've given you um, my four keys to victory 
against the Chicago Bears and what I think it would take to win against them. And, you know, now we just sit back and we wait and we, you know, put faith in our coaching staff and our players that they put a game plan together this week to take care of the Chicago Bears. I think this is a very winnable game. But like I talked about in the four keys, we have to have the backups step up and show out point blank they have to play up because injuries have taken its toll on this team both sides of the ball none more so than the secondary so I'm really looking forward to those guys being big this week now only thing I have left for you uh, guys is my prediction and my fantasy dud and fantasy stud of the week so I predict that the New York Jets will beat the Chicago Bears 21-17. I think Sam will have a, a, a good game. Um, and he will he will distribute the ball, you know, across the weapons that he does have available, which leads me to my stud of the week. I honestly believe it will be Jermaine Curse. He will get more involved this week. He was dismal last week. Zero catches, zero yards. I think we will get the Jermaine Curse of the week before. Nine, you know, we had nine receptions on, on 10 targets. I think he will get in the end zone this week as well. So, Jermaine Curse will be my fantasy stud of the week. I have my fantasy dud as being an... It's because of lack of weapons, but by default, I believe it will be Isaiah Crowell. He will be the feature running back, but I think that um, the pace of the game will dictate Trent Cannon sniping him for a bunch of touches, both in the run game and the pass game, thereby affecting his bottom line. So, fantasy stud Jermaine Curse, fantasy dud. Um, Isaiah Crowell and his line probably won't be bad at all it'll be better than it was this week he'll get more than 29 30 yards so with that being said as always I thank you guys for tuning in to the flight deck podcast I appreciate the likes the shares the follows I encourage you guys to uh, spread the word to your friends about about the podcast about the page on Facebook the flight deck podcast fan page and I just thank you all for tuning in. So I will see you guys next week, hopefully to celebrate a victory over the Chicago Bears. Thank you.